0: Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park
1: Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another great episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. My guest today, he's an assignment expert, but over the last several years, in addition to doing mobile home park assignments, He's got involved as a mobile home park owner, operator, property manager. Excited to have him on here today. Please help me in welcoming Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy, thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here.
1: Great, well, I appreciate it, man. I've, I've heard about you for years. I'm not Unfortunately, I've not bought an assignment from you, so I don't know, man, you're, you're, you're hogging them all, but uh, I'd love to buy a deal from you, but at least for today, I'd love to love for you to share with our audience some of the tips and t- tra- tips and tactics that you've got, but tell, tell us a little bit more about yourself and, and how you got in the mobile home park game.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yes, I've been in parks a little over two years now um, and started uh, kind of when I decided I wanted to do parks. I looked at all the real estate asset classes and uh, wanted to decide, you know, what am I going to do real estate wise? I want to jump into something and uh, provide, you know, a lot of value and help people. So I, you know, decided on parks and loved that there was uh, such a low supply of parks and then such a high demand. Um, sure. And I was like, well, am I going to jump in and do property management? Am I going to be on, you know, the asset management side? What should I start with? And I'm like, well, everybody wants deals. So I uh, decided to uh, just jump into uh, signing, you know, slash wholesaling parks. So I um, closed my first deal, um, yeah, a little over two years ago. And uh, have closed 28 park assignments from uh, then until now. And uh, yeah, have made a, a full-blown business out of it and love doing it. So we've done uh, deals pretty much all over the country, and uh, it's been uh, it's been great. You know, all to different types of sellers, different types of buyers. So it's really been a little bit of everything: small parks, big parks, uh, everything in between.
1: That's great. I'm sure you get this question a lot, but I think uh, the two questions come to mind right off the bat are one, how do you how do you get to, how do you find your deal? You know, how do you how do you relate to the seller? And then two, how do you find your buyer? and there's lots of ancillary stuff related to that, but those are the, that's, that's what it takes, right? You got to find a, find a seller first and then find a buyer and then get paid in the middle. So yep. can you give us your, your, your one-on-one on how you, how you pull that off.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So first, you know, you got to have the deal. So, uh, I think there's even a saying that if you have the deal, the money, the buyers, everybody else will come. So that was uh, obviously the first challenge when I got started was, uh, I'm like, Hey, I got to get some deals. So, uh, Started doing all the kind of basic marketing stuff—the you know cold calls, direct mail, you know doing the whole nine yards, calling, texting, leaving voicemails—and uh, that's really still what we do today. Is uh, just the basics. We're not doing anything crazy. We're just calling and and sending letters. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, how I got the first one. It was a guy. He um, I think he even knew that we we're you know pretty green, just getting started, and uh, he's like, "Well, I've got this park." He was an out-of-state guy. It's a park in Alabama. He's like, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. It's a hairy park. It's turned turnaround. And then he's like, yeah, then when I bought that one, I thought I was really going to make a big thing of it. So I bought another one. So he's like, I only want to sell them if you're going to take both. So I'm like, oh, perfect. Two yeah, deals. I got two deals. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're, you're, you're off to a great start.
2: <laughs> exactly. And it was one contract for both. So now I'm like, all right, I have two parks, a couple hours away. Got to find the buyer. And I just kind of started with the basics too. Started posting in all the groups on Facebook and on the forums and just getting it out there. Hey, I've got parks. And um, I got two others under contract pretty shortly after. So I remember then it was uh, for a month or two, everything, all I was telling everybody, I've got four parks, you know, got to assign them. Here's all the details. I was just firing off emails 24 7. And um, now, you know, I have a list and, you know, people refer and, you know, have, you know, plenty of people reaching out as well. But in the early days, it was uh, just blowing up everywhere online. I've got four perks to assign and I met the the buyers for all four of those. I think um, two of them came from Facebook and then the other one came from uh, one of the online forums. And then they told their friends, did some podcasts and some interviews and got a lot of other people from there. So the uh, The buyer approach is, you know, if you do have that good deal, it's going to sell itself. Mm -hmm. We uh, haven't done a lot of advertising on deals really in the last year, just because uh, people are reaching out, having a lot of calls, you know, talks, just touching base with people and uh, the good deals, you really don't have to push them and blast them out everywhere. So it's been not easy, but it's been easier to move them than it has been to get them. And again, it goes to that supply and demand.
1: Right. Now, how now do you sell, do you r- routinely sell to the same buyer? I would imagine you got a couple, you know, sure players that you're like, I sell to this guy because he always delivers and doesn't cut you out of your fee and all that kind of stuff. Yep,
2: yeah, of course. We have a couple people that we've done, you know, multiple with one or two, you know, groups in particular. A lot of them is um, just geographically as well. So one group, uh, we assigned them a park in South Carolina and then, you know, it was marketing hard in that area, found another one. And what's 20 minutes away, so who's a better buyer than somebody who's, you know, the neighbor to the property, pretty much. So that's also been one of our strategies, just to get more deals, as I'm calling sellers, you know, just trying to make it not a cold call, more of a warm Mm -hmm. call. And right off the bat, you know, hey, Mr. Seller, I've got a park five minutes away. What do you think about that new development in town or, you know, where are your tenants working? Just anything to kind of start more just kind of talk and shop about the area. So we've got a lot of deals that have been very close to other parks that we've assigned. So those are, you know, kind of easier to get and then easier to assign as well, just because we already have all the puzzle pieces put together.
1: Got it. Now, you and I talked about this previously, but for our our audience, how do you come up with your fee? Um, You know, brokers, as we know, typically get paid 3% or 6% is kind of the norm. Lawyers typically get paid by the hour, you know, and title companies' fees based on policy. Everybody, else, everybody else seems to have a, a fixed structure in the assignment game. I think there's an industry norm quote of a five to ten percent fee, but depending on the deal, the fee could be one percent or ninety nine percent. Right. So how okay. do you, how do you what do you what factors do you include to evaluate what's the appropriate fee?
2: Yeah, definitely. So there's probably, you know, hundreds of little factors that all play in. I mean, some of the primary ones are, of course, you know, what's the purchase price, the cap rate, cash on cash return, I mean, kind of the basics that everybody's looking for. And then all the way down to, you know, kind of minor things that are still very important, such as is the park in a flood zone? Is there a lot of vacant park-owned homes? Is the zip code good? You know, the park could be right on, you know, the core of the Metro, or it could be an hour outside of the Metro. How are the records? You know, a lot of the deals that we've done, um, of the 28 that we've closed, 25 of them have just been cash. Only three have been bank financed. So a lot of it also factors into, um, is this a bankable deal? And a lot of these mom and pop sellers that are 70, 80 years old, they don't even have a computer let alone keeping P&Ls and leases and right. you know, just driving around with the seller in his truck and he's pointing out, all right, that's unit number one. His name is Robert. He pays 400 a month. I think he's a park-owned home. Just crazy, you know, right. crazy stories like that. But uh, yeah, all those factor in um, from like a deal side and then from a buyer side, you know, can you show proof of funds that you could actually perform have you worked with us before? Do you own other parks? What's your real estate experience? And we have a whole questionnaire um, that, you know, we'll typically go through. But the uh, the fees have varied from as low as about 1% on some deals to we've done a, a 50% assignment fee deal. Okay. So it's, um, they, yeah, they're all over the board. Um, it's tough to pin down where the average is because we've taken equity in a lot of deals as well. But yeah, they vary from you know 50% of the purchase price all the way down to uh, you know one two percent.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that's that's definitely good stuff. So um, obviously it depends on a million a million factors. How do you how do you structure them so that you a don't get cut out at closing, and or b do you hide your fee or 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 show your fee to the to the end buyer, because I, I had a call yesterday from a guy that's doing this, and and the end buyer wanted to see his feet, and he wanted to do a double close. Essentially, he didn't he didn't want to show his feet, um, and it became it became hostile between those parties. So I'm curious how you do yours.
2: Yep. So we're 100% transparent. So we've uh, never done a double close. Don't plan on doing any double closes, and we're you know one to work with people who uh, see the value that we're bringing to the table. So even on the the deal where the fee was 50%. A lot of other people, you know, kind of scoffed at that. No way, that's too much of a percentage. And then we had, you know, offers and buyers who said, Hey, this is a great deal. Even after the 50%, I'm still getting this park 30, 40% less than what he thought it was worth. So um we always are, you know, here's the contract price. So if we're just using round numbers, we'll say, here's the contract, you review it. Maybe it's a million dollar purchase maybe the fee's 50. So they know exactly what the purchase price is, mm-hmm. what the fee is. They see the contract that we have with the seller. I introduce the buyer to the seller, which like anybody who wholesales or assigns, it's like, that's like the number one, no, no <laughs> Never do that. Cause they'll cut you out. And I'm like, well, we're all relationship based. So the sellers, they know that we're going to close and they trust us and they see the experience and, they feel comfortable and we're communicating with them. We're visiting them in person. And then the buyers, you know, anybody, it's such a small industry. If somebody's going to try and burn you and cut you out of the deal, you know, word would just spread so quick. And, you know, we're just working with people who we feel, you know, like we trust enough and they trust us to, we're doing diligence together. We're working the seller together. They'll often go, you know, do a site visit. Uh, Maybe I'll do the first one. They'll do the second one. So we really, um, maybe more so than we should, but we really, you know, put a lot of value in that trust and then let's, you know, build a relationship and both be on the same side and have everybody win. So one of our slogans has been, we want win, 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 win deals. So the seller wins, the buyer wins, we win, and then the tenants win as well, because most professionally operated parks are going to be better than a mom and pop operation.
1: Sure. No, that, that's great stuff. I think I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head there with the relationship piece because you're right, small industry. I tell people that all the time, like, well, how can I trust that you're going to do this? I'm like, well, I, mean, I got a relatively public profile. And if I screwed you, it's probably not good for my overall business, right? So mm-hmm. I won't. I tell you that. But if I do, yeah. and then as a, as a lawyer, I can say, look, I'm also licensed to practice law. If I do mm-hmm. something really bad, Uh, You can go file a bar complaint. That's kind of a big deal, right? So I'm not going to screw with that. So, you know, you you don't know me, but you can know my circumstances and know that I'm not going to screw you. Right. Right. So that's, that's definitely good. So with the, with the sellers, do you tell them that you're going to wholesale deal with somebody else from the beginning, or do you tell them, Hey, me and my partners are buying it and then you introduce them to the end buyer as as your quote partner or assignee or someone else.
2: Yep, it's always from the start. It's, you know, my partners and I, you know, from kind of the first visit. I'm not bringing that up on the first phone call and saying it's me. And then as, you know, the relationship progresses, and we'll even kind of make a joke about it and say, hey, well, you know, the price that you want, you know, I've got to have partners. You know, yeah. one guy can't do this alone. So, right. That's good. Yeah, We try and make it a joke, and then um they totally get it. And, uh, yeah. I'm like, it's, you know, everybody plays to their strengths. You know, maybe you're coming in as the partner and your expertise is the legal side of the business. Maybe we have somebody else who's bringing the capital. I'm bringing the deal and the management. So, I'll, you know, I'll even explain who everybody is in the transaction. So then they're like hundred percent comfortable. They know who's who there's no confusion of like, so who's this guy who just stepped in, in then um, you know, other people who assign deals, they'll say, what happens if those buyers back out, then how are you going to introduce new partners? Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, if the buyers are backing out, it's because something so concrete was found in diligence that it's probably a deal killer. And then we will present the seller with, you know, the ultimatum. Hey, you have 10 less units than you said. This is the price that we have to be at. And it's either kind of a take it or leave it thing. So when I assign that contract and, we have a deal we're both going into it 100 percent so there's no backup buyers it's either we're going to close it together or we're going to make you know the seller an offer and you know if he declines that retrade then we're going to have to kill the deal so it's you know full steam ahead we're all partners we're all on the same team and you know let's get it closed
1: yeah so, sounds good man That's, that sounds like a good approach so um Lots, lots to unpack there as far as you know how you find deals, how you sell deals, how you build the relationship, how you how you package your fee, um, the transparent method. That's good. What other tips or tactics that we haven't covered can you share that you think be of value to our listeners?
2: Yeah, I think now it's such a competitive market as you know it's uh, it's tougher to get deals. I think every month than it was the month prior. So we're doing everything that we can to. Um, get in front of the sellers and stand out. So a lot of people will say, you know, I want to get my first park. What can I do? And I always say, just call the parks that are closest to you. Cause if you have that hometown approach, I live 10 minutes away. That's always going to be better than the guy across the country. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely that for just trying to get deals. And that's if you, you know, are trying to do your first park or if you have 50 parks, a lot of people don't call those ones that are closest. So the, Closest park to my house, called them, built the relationship. And now that's one that, you know, we own and operate. And it's five minutes from my house. So uh, I've told a lot of people that. I'm like, you never know. That guy could live in your neighborhood for all you know. And uh, yeah, the park's a couple minutes away. So uh, definitely that. I mean, could, you know, talk for hours on due diligence and all the tips and tricks there. But um, I think definitely getting out there as early as you can. A lot of people, they want to delay that trip kind of kill a bunch of birds and with one stone all the way at the end but you got to get out there meet the seller get in front of it it's going to help you see the park see if there's any big red flags and also if you have to retrade i think the odds of like a retrade going through are just so much higher if you have a relationship he's met you and you got to like spend some time walk the park with the seller so i've you know met with sellers and it's been a I don't know seven eight hour day walk in the park that I thought we probably could have knocked out in thirty minutes. Right, like that's what they want to do. You know, they're uh, it's their park and I'm the one trying to buy it. So it's uh, you got to kind of just cater everything to the seller. They want to talk about you know how they're showing off how they rehabbed the home. You got to sit in that home and and ooh and awe ah at all the things that they've done in there. And you've really got to just put the time in and just form that relationship. Just above all else.
1: I'm, I'm chuckling because I was, I was telling my, I've got one of my teammates here today out looking at two parks in middle Missouri.
0: Yeah. My
1: wife said, what time's he coming back? I said, depends. Right. And I said, remember when I looked at that park in St. Louis and I was supposed to be there for 30 minutes and I was meeting her on vacation when she was with my in-laws and kids.
2: Yeah. I was
1: like, I'll meet you guys down at the lake. And it was a four hour, four hour tour of a park with no park on homes. So I'm like, what could we possibly look at? And he literally got, he said, I don't want to walk. He literally got in his truck and, Drove in front of the house, number one, and told me the the history for the 30 years of who lived there, how many kids they had, how dysfunctional their marriage was, what they did for a living, the last seven violations, why they're one month behind on rent or not. Yeah. And then he drove 30 feet, put it in park, and did it again.
2: Those are the best visits.
1: <laughs> Six, sixty-seven times. And I was just like, and my dad was with me. I said, Dad, was that the most overblown tour ever? He goes. <laughs> That was a 15 minute tour that took four hours. I go, yeah, no, I got to explain to my wife. <laughs> so I'm <Exactly>. late. <laughs> so I, I totally get like, you, you got to do it, right? You got to you, you'd ruin the relationship. If you just said, hey man, I'm too busy. I got another appointment.
2: It was, right. That
1: right. tells people you're not important, right?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And I know a lot of guys, especially when you're making those calls, it's let alone if you're doing it in person, but they want to just fire the offer out right away. Cause you never know maybe that park, you know, you thought it was worth 600 grand and the guy wants 6 million. You just have no idea. So we've kind of taken the approach of we don't bring up price at all in the beginning. So we'll like go through that whole meeting and we still don't know at all what the guy wants. Ugh. And we'll go weeks of communication, some sometimes months before we finally get to the price. And then we obviously are hoping that the relationship at that point is going to be more important than the price. Right. And of course we've had dozens of times where, uh, you know, we're months deep and the guy wants, you know, tenfold more than it's worth. But uh, it's uh yeah just pending the time and um flown across the country driven 10 hours to parks done it all just for the guy to uh do that same visit and then he's like oh yeah i want this insane price because you could redevelop it and it's out in the country but this is going to be the new mixed use in town
1: (laughs) sellers are tough man they're definitely definitely tough especially you mentioned today's market i mean i all it's like Every broker in the country, every guy like you or me in the country, it seems like has called the same same seller. So the seller has this inflated, what I thought was inflated opinion of value that might actually be the new opinion of value. Yeah. That's not bankable. You know, it's like,
2: yeah. And you know, all the letters, oh, we're going to close cash quick 30 days. So they're like, hey, everybody's ready to close this thing, like sight unseen with cash, no matter how much the purchase price is. So they're like, why in the world would you need seller financing? when I've got guys with a briefcase full of money ready to close it. So.
1: Yes. It makes it harder, right? What's funny, I've got legal clients that I've gotten letters from They they don't know it's my property because it's ABC LLC. Mm. And I'm like, I, one time I literally drafted the letter mm. for the client and, and his, his wife sent them out to a hundred people or a thousand people.
2: Yeah,
1: One of them was to me and I was just like, <laughs> You guys need to scrub your buyers list or your sellers list a little better. This, you're not going to get this one via the right, letter. Yeah.
2: This isn't a mom and pop seller. So. Yeah,
1: it's it's been, <laughs> That's funny. Full circle. <laughs> yes. Like, can I be your lawyer on the acquisition? Yeah, no. Um,
2: <laughs> That's funny.
1: Well, this, this is great stuff. to you anything else you want to share before we, we uh, part ties here today?
2: I think that about covers you know the the kind of one on one of a uh, perk assignment, and I think it's uh it's definitely a great way to buy parks. You know, we've assigned deals to, um, first time buyers. That's one of our favorite things that the brokers don't want to listen to them because, you know, they don't have all the experience. They don't have millions in the bank. So we've done a, a lot of deals with people who nobody else would, um, assign a park to or sell a park to all the way from that up to, you know, institutional guys. So, uh, I think it's a great way to buy deals, especially for, you know, busy professionals who don't have the time to do the marketing and uh, it's tough to find deals out there. So I think definitely uh, encourage people to, um, you know, look to buy assignments and if they come across a deal that, you know, maybe it's too big or too small for them to uh, try signing it themselves.
1: Sounds good. Appreciate it, Jimmy. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Rip, I at you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts. Give us your review and subscribe today. Thank you for listening.